Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I received a wonderful prayer, as I do every day, from Sister Jones. And I would like to, please remain standing if you don't mind. This will only take a moment. Um, I would like to read this prayer, and if you can say amen to it, then we'll say amen together in honor of our veterans. Lord, as we honor our veterans today, we want to thank you for those courageous men and women who have and made such a desire to protect, defend, and serve. Never let us forget to pray for all those in the military fighting for our freedom, never giving a thought to themselves, only protecting us. May we stay on our knees for our brave soldiers. Let us never walk past a veteran or a soldier without stopping to shake their hand and thank them for their service. We owe them so much a great great debt of gratitude. Lord, we ask that you would put a hedge of protection about them and their families. Put your armor upon them, keeping them safe from every plan of the wicked one. We ask that you will dispatch angels round about them to minister to them as as they ministered to you while you were in the desert. Give them your courage, your wisdom, your passion, your love, so they do all things that you would have them do. Bless them, O Lord, bless them indeed. Lord, we also ask a special blessing upon their families. They are heroes also, as they shared their loved ones with us. Give them courage, faith, and peace, and bring them comfort in these dark hours when fear tries to enter in. And lastly, Lord, we ask for your mercy for those who mourn the loss of one of these faithful heroes, Give them comfort as only you can, according to Matthew 5 and 4. Comfort to the parents, spouses, children, siblings, friends, co-workers, bosses, neighbors, all whose lives they have touched. And let them feel your presence and may it bring them peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you to our veterans. Praise God. What a great day. Amen. What a great day. I have, I'm just going to be honest with you, I've really struggled this week in that I have two messages that have just both been equally heavy on my heart, but Brother Marty's lesson today just kind of tipped me over in the direction that I feel I'm supposed to go with you today. Psalm 75, verse 6, if you'd be so kind as to turn there. Visitors, we are so glad that you're here today. You are, praise God, you are important to us. I would like to invite you to the hospitality room after service today. Just go down the hall on your right-hand side past the offices. We can have a cup of coffee together and talk about whatever you'd like to talk about. Praise God. Psalm 75, Verse six, promotion comes neither from the east, the west, or from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. And Hebrews 13 and 17 reads this way, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they must give an account so that they can do it with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And today I want to talk to you about the power of an anointed life. The power of an anointed life. God bless you. You may be seated. Since we're talking about the military, the military really got their their plan from God. Authority is a principle that is established by God. It is not a position. It is God's plan. The military believes that it is vitally important to obey all orders, even the ones you don't like. They believe in discipline from what we get the word disciple. 
They believe in training physically, mentally, and emotionally. They believe in mentoring from experienced soldiers in combat. And all of these things are a part of the disciplines and the training that they use to build an army. One of the things that the church is compared to in the scriptures is an army. It too believes in authority and the power that comes with the anointing that God gives to authority. Jesus came across one man in Matthew chapter eight. It was a centurion. Matthew chapter eight and verse eight. The centurion said unto the Lord, Lord, the Lord said he would go to his house and heal his daughter, but he said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant will be healed. I am a man, here is the key to this entire message. You gotta get this key. He did not say, I am a man of authority. The word centurion means 100, century means 100. So this man has 100 men that he gives orders to, okay? But he begins by saying to Jesus, I am a man under authority. You see, our power comes from a power greater than ourselves. And as long as we are submissive to the authority above us, we will have authority under us. But if we ever think that we are the authority and we are not accountable to anyone else's authority, we are a danger to ourselves and those around us. Pastor John Grant said one time, and I never forgot it, he said, never follow anyone who is not under authority. They are dangerous people, dangerous, and they are rebellious people. So he said, I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to one man, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. I understand authority. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled, and he said unto them that followed, verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith No, not in all of Israel. He couldn't even find this among his own people. A man that understood authority and understood the anointing that comes from God to authority. Now I want to take you to the first king of Israel. The first king of Israel was a man by the name of Saul. He was head and shoulders above all that lived in Israel. He was one of the meekest men on the face of the earth. When God chose him and sent Samuel to anoint him as the first king, he hid among the stuff. He was so humble. But the first king of Israel, King Saul, made a huge mistake with his authority. And that was that Samuel came to him one day and said, Saul, the Lord spoke to me and told me that it's time for the Amalekites to be destroyed. You are to take your people and you are to destroy everything. You will save nothing. All the people, all the animals, all their stuff. There will be no spoil. You will destroy everything. I remember what the Amalekites did to my people and now I am going to genocide them. Now you might not like that term and you might not understand God's plan, but you don't always understand the severity of God either. There comes a day when there's going to be a reckoning, where there's going to be a balancing of the scales. And all of you in this congregation today that say, how does God let all of this wickedness go on and on and on and not prevent it and stop it? I will tell you that the day is coming. And when the day of reckoning comes, the day of the Lord, the scripture says, people will be so fearful that they won't even be able to move. It's coming. 
It will happen. But God does things his way and in his time. And his thoughts are above our thoughts. And his ways are above our ways. But he is the Lord. He will bring vengeance and he will repay. And the time had come for the Amalekites and the instructions were absolutely clear to the king as passed down from the priest. But Saul, being a politician, decided that he would listen to the people's plan rather than the plan that he had received from the prophet and from the high priest. And Samuel was a great high priest. I, I, quite frankly, I haven't found anything to find fault with Samuel in the scripture at all. And so Saul goes out and the people say, well, let's spare some of the flocks and let's sacrifice them instead of our animals and we'll let the king live and apparently they let some other people live. And when Saul came back, Samuel said, did you do what the Lord told you to do? Notice he did not say, did you do what I told you to do? And he said, Saul said, yea, I have obeyed, and he didn't again, didn't use Saul's name or Samuel's name. He said, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. God was speaking through Samuel. The disobedience was not against Samuel. Are you hearing what I'm saying about authority? You gotta get this. If the anointing, the anointing comes on the authority, good, bad, or indifferent, the anointing comes on the authority. Somebody said amen. Because you're gonna see some wickedness here in a few moments. And Saul said, yeah, I did it. And then Samuel said, no, you didn't. I hear sheep. And who's this guy you got standing next to you? Well, this is the king of the Amalekites, and I gave him an executive privilege here. Samuel killed him. The high priest killed the king and said, the Lord has something else to say to you, Saul. And Saul said, what is it? He said, you have rejected his command, and now he has rejected you from being king. You're no longer king. One disobedient act, one, and you're no longer king. And from that day forward, a spirit, not the anointing that he had previously known, a different spirit came upon him and it would grieve him, and it would torment him, and it would cause him to do very foolish and ungodly things. It was so bad that he had to call for a young man with a harp to sing songs just to soothe his spirit. And that young man was a shepherd boy named David. And only when David played, would he be delivered from that spirit? That's what worship can do. And you know what? I just thought of this. Michael brought up the, and he was very polite today in the way that he said things. You know, he didn't come right out and be specific about how these people in the back are guarding you, and I guess I won't either. But I can tell you this. I remember a time right over there, right next to Jake, I remember a time before service, a man came up and he, I was at the altar praying before the service, big old fella, huge, I won't mention his name, he's not here anymore, big fella, he came up, he said, hey pastor, boy God's gonna use you today. I just feel like something good is about to happen and man, you are the greatest pastor in the world and I mean, he would lay it on thick. And I thought, this, there's something not right here, you know. This is too much. Be careful when people praise you too much. You're really not that great. You're not as bad as they say. But you're not as good as they say either. And he just went, I said, all right, thank you, thank you very much. And he, 
he went over and sat right about where Jake is and worship service began. And uh, all of a sudden he started chanting. Remember? I think some of you remember this. He started chanting, and, and it wasn't, you know, a, a heavenly language. I mean, there was something wrong here. And he was loud, and it was out of order. And I said, that, that, this is not right. So I decided I was going to have to address this. So I stepped out, and I came around, and I walked over in that direction. And when my eyes met his eyes, I saw the evil. And I pointed, and you, there are witnesses here that will, will attest to this. I turned and I pointed my finger at him, and I said, I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. And that big old Goliath fell directly. I never touched him. I never laid a hand on him. Fell right on the floor. Chairs were flying all over the place. And the Lord said, get on top of him. And I jumped up on top of him. And I'm rebuking this spirit, and he's punching me in the rib. I never felt any punching or anything, and people scrambled and came around. Men came around and helped with the situation. Do you know what the music team did? Kept on playing, kept on singing, worshiping. They acted like nothing was any different, and the Spirit of God moved in and took over the situation. I'm talking about the power that all of us have in our anointing. It's not just the pastor, it's you. You've got the anointing. You've got the anointing, and you need to use the power that God has given you. But once that power lifted off of Saul, he became a wicked king. Wicked, and David played for him. Now I want to jump here because I want you to see this whole story. God spoke to Samuel again and he said, I'm going to tell you the story rather than read the scripture. He said to Samuel, I want you to go to Jesse's house. There you will find the next king of Israel. And so he goes to Jesse's house. He said, Jesse, the Lord said the next king of Israel is from your house, so line your boys up. So Jesse lines up all of his boys and, and Samuel walks to the first one. He puts his hands on him and says, is this the one, Lord? And, and they all had, I, you could preach a long sermon on this. They all had different characteristics that were wonderful and great. But he went down the line and each one, and God said, no, that's not the one, that's not the one. And he got to the last guy and he, and he prayed for him thinking that was it. And the Lord said, that's not it either. And Samuel said, Jesse, are all your sons here? He said, well, I got this one insignificant son. He's out in the back, you know, he ain't much. He's taking care of the sheep. I didn't even, there's no way he'd be the next king. And Samuel said, go and fetch him. Because we are not sitting down. Oh, this will preach. We are not sitting down till the next king tells us it's okay to sit down. Because when royalty, you know why we stand in this sanctuary? Because we believe that the presence of God is here and we stand to attention and we worship in spirit and in truth and with all of our heart because we believe there's an anointing on the sanctuary according to Second Chronicles and several other passages. And so David comes and he anoints him. Now watch this. Here's a ruddy young youth he has just been anointed to be the next king of Israel. When does he take over? When does he begin to rule? He could have said, all right, I guess I'm going back to you, back with you to Jerusalem, and we'll... And he didn't. You know what he did? Until God cleared the way, he continued to do what he'd always been doing. When the king called for him to come and play the harp, he didn't say, hey, buddy, you're sitting in my throne. Get off the throne. I'm the new king here. No, you want me to play for you? Then I will play for you. And Saul's spirit continued to get worse and worse. Do you know that Saul hated David so much that he tried to kill him on several occasions? 
Do you know that David had every right to defend himself and kill Saul and take the throne and nobody could have held it against him, but he refused to do it because he believed that you don't touch God's anointed and you don't do his prophets any harm. He knew the scripture. When God wants me to sit on the throne, he'll make it happen. Until that time, this guy, somebody preach with me. I don't care how wicked he is. I don't care if he throws spears at me. I don't care if he hunts me like an animal. He makes me live in a cave. He's still the anointed. And until God removes him, I will not raise my hand against him. I will not speak evil of him. I will not form a coup. Somebody preach with me today. Because you may be working for a boss that you consider to be wicked. Hey, you know one of the great things about America? I thought about this in prayer this morning. I got this terrible boss. Oh, and this terrible company that I work for. They're just awful. And they make them blah, 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 blah. Great news. You can quit. Just quit. Or you can submit. And you can behave yourself. And you can conduct yourself properly. And you cannot come against the anointed. I will not talk bad about my boss. Somebody preach with me. I will not talk bad about my boss. I will not talk bad about my dad or my mom. I will not talk bad about my teachers. I will not talk bad about the police department. I will not talk bad about the government. They are the anointed of God. And even if they're at fault and even if they're wrong, they're still the anointed. And I know that's hard. I know that's difficult. But God will honor your respect of the anointing. You know how wicked this guy was? He killed 85 priests. Came upon 85 priests one day. Hey, you knew David was here. You know I'm hunting him. You didn't get word to me. So watch what Saul says. So Saul says, hey, soldiers, kill all the priests. Kill them all. And they said, whoa, I'm not doing that. Listen, when somebody in authority asks you to do something immoral or illegal, you have a right to say, I refuse. I won't do that. I won't be immoral, and I won't be illegal. This would have been immoral. And they said, no, no, you don't. We're not doing it. So you know what Saul did? He found an Edomite, somebody that wasn't Jewish. You kill him. Okay, no problem. That's on Saul. That is on Saul. And finally, the day came. When word came to David through a young man, the young man came up and he said, you see this sword? This is Saul's sword. Saul and Jonathan are dead. I am an eyewitness to their death and I brought you the sword. Very polite young man, trying to be very respectful. And he said, well, how did he die? Well, he was... He was wounded in the battle and he didn't think he was going to live and, and he considered falling on his sword but he couldn't even do that. He didn't have the strength. So he asked me to take his sword and to finish him and I did. Where are you from? Well, I am an Amalekite. You see, if you don't kill the thing, I'm not talking about the person. If you don't kill the thing that God tells you to kill in your life, it will kill you. If God tells you to kill, I'm just gonna say anything today, is that all right? 
If God tells you to kill pornography, you better kill it. You better erase it from every avenue of your life. You better shut down every road. You'd be, if God, when God speaks to you about alcohol or drugs or uh, sexual sins and flirtations and things that you have no business being involved in and flirting with or toying with thinking that you're stronger and that you can overcome it. If you don't kill it, it's going to grow and it will kill you. I didn't think I'd get too many amens because you're afraid I might have just struck your nerve. But you better kill it. You better erase it from your viewing, from your hearing. Kill it or it'll kill you. And David, now I'll leave it alone now. I've already, that's between you and God now. And so now this boy stands there and David thinks about it and he says, all right. He said, you, come over here, soldier. Yes, sir. You see that boy there? Yep. Kill him. He never hesitated. And he said, son, you, you pronounce judgment on yourself. Who are you to touch God's anointed? And he killed him. And you know what? God was pleased with it. God was pleased with somebody being killed? Yep, because you violated a principle and you've earned it. Be careful. Be careful how you treat God's anointed. Let me give you this. John chapter 11, verse 49. Let me talk to you some more about the wicked. The wicked when they rule. Let me tell you a story. John chapter 11, you can read it on your own. There's a debate going on. And they're talking about, what are we going to do with Jesus? Oh, he's performing all these miracles, and people are following him, and, and he's, a, he's a threat to the law, and, uh, and, and he, he, being a man, thinks he's God. What are we going to do about it? And Caiaphas, you can read about it in John 11, it's right there on the screen, stands up and says, you guys don't know anything. He's the high priest this year, okay? He's the high priest. You don't know anything. One man is supposed to die for the entire nation. He was prophesying. Even though he was the, one of the most wicked priests that Israel ever had. Wicked, mean-spirited, ungodly. And yet God spoke through this man to a nation. And what he spoke, if you read it, will inspire all of the priests to go out and have Jesus killed. And it came from an anointed priest in his wickedness. And that confuses us because we think that anybody that's in authority should be holy and godly and as close to perfect as possible. But it confuses us and yet God used Caiaphas to pronounce his own judgment and ultimately his own death. And he was anointed when he did it. Do you know even Jesus was anointed even in his death? Well, if he's anointed, why does he have to die? Well, we know now, but they didn't know then. When the anointing comes, it's not something that's necessarily earned. It may have started out well, but it can go bad in a hurry. And when it does, until God removes that person from that position, even in their wickedness, they have an anointing. I'm getting resistance from this. I know that. I know you're having a real hard time with this. But 
people that are anointed can still be wicked. I regret to have to tell you this. I, I, I talked with one of my fellow ministers, and, and even in the ministry, we, we have a certain amount of respect for other ministers that are great men of God and have powerful anointings and can keep crowds spellbound during their preaching. And one of these truly great, great men of God was preaching at a crusade, and one of the, the man I was talking to said, yeah, I, I asked him to pray for me, and uh, it was such an honor, and he put his hand on my head, and I'll never forget how the power and the presence of God came over me just by him touching me, and I remembered the words that he said, and he prayed powerfully, and, and, and it really motivated me and moved me. I never forgot that. And then I found out that after he got done preaching that night, he went out and was, and was with a prostitute. And yet he continued on the circuit until he was discovered. And then his anointing was removed. How does it happen? Maybe it started out as a flirtation. I can handle this. Do you know some people, <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to be totally honest with you today, I'm just bearing my, I'm bearing my soul to you today. 39 years of preaching. Can you imagine how many times I've preached from this pulpit or pulpits in the past? How many sermons? How many Bible studies? Do you know that with technology today, they are all listed in alphabetical order? I could go to that office right now and say, Beth, find me this message called Behind Enemy Lines, because I liked preaching it. And I could take it and preach it anywhere and, and it'd be brand new to some other people and, and they'd say, wow, you are really anointed. And I'm not, I'm not anointed at all. I just have a gift. I just have an ability that I've learned. When we get to the point where we think we can do things without the anointing, because we are so skilled and so abled and so gifted that we don't even need God. I'll just pull up this old song service that I, that I had in my Bible just in case anybody called on me in the last minute. I'll throw that up on the screen. That's slop. We need to get a hold of God. We need to get a fresh word from God we need to stay in the word every day. We need to pray every day. We can't say, you know what, I've been in this thing all my life and so I got all the answers. We need to hear from God. And I think that's why God let me struggle this week with messages, messages that I've never preached before because he wanted me to know that I need to totally depend on him for what you need. It's my job, my responsibility to feed this flock. And I, I have other great preachers and teachers that I share that responsibility with. But we've got to get a fresh word from God. We've got to have an anointing, not just an ability. Wicked. How about Herod? Herod, the king, when Jesus was born. The king. Oh, Jesus is born here. Well, here's what I'm going to do about it. Are there any two-year-olds in the, in the congregation today? Any, anybody holding a child that might be two somewhere? Can you imagine this? The king says... I'm sending out my troops. Every child that is two or younger will be killed. And when the male babies are born, when they come out of the womb, kill them. Kill every one of them. Could you imagine such a thing happening in our nation? It happened in Israel. 
God's people, God's king, the anointed of God, evil. And what about Jesus? An angel comes to Joseph and says, take your family, head for Egypt. Run, stay there. Then the angel comes back and says, okay, Herod's dead, you can come home now. Until God took Herod, even Jesus didn't live in, live in Israel. Wow. The power that comes with an anointing, and it can be misused. But here's the positive that I want you to see today. The positive. This is Isaiah 61 and 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Speaking of one that would be anointed, and then the day comes. In Luke chapter four, the New Testament, this is what Jesus stands up and reads. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable ear of the Lord. And he closed the book. Can you hear it? And he sat down and everybody was dumbfounded. There was a pause. And then he said, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. I am the anointed. I am the king of kings. I am the high priest. I am the Lord of lords. I will do these things. I'm the anointed. Pretty bold, huh? He knew who he was. He knew who he was. He knew what he was sent to do. And he knew that it would be accomplished because he had the anointing oil on him. He was the anointed. Say, so, well, oh, that's wonderful. How does that affect me? Well, let me share this with you concerning the anointing. Matthew 28 and 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power, not some power, not one-third of all power, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Jesus speaking as a man. Sometimes he speaks as man, sometimes he speaks as God, because he is both. But he says here, I've got all the power. I've got all the anointing. So who's got the power? Who's got the power? Jesus has the power. He is the anointed. But here's the best part of this message. When God has a vessel that turns itself upside down, and says, I don't want to live this way anymore. I want all of the sin and all of the bondage and all of the hurts and all of the wrongs and all of the hurts and habits and hang-ups to be tipped over and to be emptied. We call that repentance. And God says, that's a good start. And then God takes that vessel, that empty vessel 
and he washes that vessel in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. And then God anoints the vessel. He puts his spirit by your invitation, by your invitation, you've emptied it, you've obeyed and washed it, and by your invitation, he anoints the vessel with his spirit because it's his spirit that is the anointing. It's not you. It's not the vessel. It's what's in, come on now, it's what's in the vessel that is anointed. The vessel may be imperfect. The vessel might sin again. The vessel might say a a bad word or, or make a bad decision or do something that's wrong. But because it's a vessel of God and because it is anointed of God, there's a conviction that comes for sin. And it's the goodness of God that leads a person back to the altar again and again and again so that the anointing can remain in the vessel. It's not a perfect vessel. It's a vessel. But the anointing, that's perfect. That's all power. That's completing the Great Commission. The anointing. If he's got all power and he lives inside of you, how much power do you have? If he is called to minister to all kinds of people in every different aspect of life, what has God called you to do? What has God anointed you to do? Oh, I'm worried I'm not gonna be able to say the right thing. I will give you the words. I will set up the appointments. The steps of a good man and a good woman are ordered of the Lord. I will bring you to the place that I want you to minister at. And I will anoint you. Because I've given you the anointing. Behold, I give you power, Jesus said, to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Is that what he said? He's saying you're anointed. But you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What is he saying? I will give you the anointing. I will empower you. I will, oh no, Lord, you're making a big mistake. You don't know know who I am and, and and the faults and the mistakes that I've made. You don't understand the mercy and the grace of God and the importance of the anointing because this world has no hope without God's anointing and God wants to use you to be the anointed of God. can't, Lord. I'm a man of unclean lips. Well, then get to the altar and tell God that and ask him to deliver you. God, I struggle with my thoughts. Then go to the altar and tell God you struggle with your thoughts and ask him to deliver you. Is anybody preaching with me today? I'm, I'm giving you all I got here, folks. I'm just about here out of gas. I, I want to be sure you get this. I want you to know how powerful you are and how the lion devil has convinced you that you're not worthy. It has nothing to do with being worthy. Nobody's worthy except Jesus. And they crucified him. You think they're going to make it easy for you? But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I have been endued with power from on high. I am not going to let fear intimidate me anymore. You're going to make mistakes. Oh, I got to make this point and then I'll quit. You're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes. And feeling bad is good. Oh man, I feel bad about that. Good. That's the Holy Ghost. That's conviction. Don't let it become condemnation. Anybody preaching with me? It's not condemnation. It's conviction. God tells you to do something, that's conviction. 
you're doing wrong and you're convicted, you still got the anointing. But if you can do wrong, now here it is, listen. If you can do wrong continually and you don't feel bad about it, you've lost the anointing. But as long as you feel bad about it, the goodness of God is saying, come on, we'll get this straightened out. I still want to use you. The anointing, come on, the anointing is still on your life. Well, I've done this before and I feel bad. 70 times seven, come on. His mercy endures. His grace is. As long as you feel bad and you can get to an altar and keep dumping your vessel over, God'll keep washing it and God'll keep using it. I want to close with a prayer. Satan, take note and listen. You will not conquer me. I am blood washed, spirit filled, daily delivered, strongly sanctified, spirit soaked, and word indwelt. I am linked with sovereign and eternal power through the mighty name of Jesus. I won't be deceived, detoured, derailed, distorted, distracted, discouraged, or disillusioned by your schemes. You parade yourself as an angel of light, yet I walk in a greater light. My life is off limits to you. My door is closed to you. You won't walk in, crash in, slither in, sneak in, pry in, jump in, dive in, or barge into my life anymore. Because I have authority and I have the anointing. In Jesus' name. In your days, they're numbered. Your kingdom is doomed Your designs are dwindling. Your evil is eroding. Your deceit is decaying. Your deception is diminishing. Your death is dying. Your progress is poisoned. Your poison is paralyzed. Your ultimate victory has been canceled. And soon your show will be over. You will no longer trap me with your wares or soil me with your suggestions. I am an overcomer. By the word of my testimony, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus to drive you out of my life, my church, my city, and my family. Spiritual warfare. In 2015, This is a testimony from a man in our church. I had carpal tunnel surgery. No big deal. But then I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. My father had been diagnosed with prostate cancer and it spread to his colon and his lungs and within four months he passed away. My wife and I were trying to decide which way to go, radiation, chemo, or surgery. We went out to dinner with friends and as we were standing outside, I fell backwards and hit my head on the pavement full force. As a result, I cracked my skull 14 inches down to my spinal cord and basically I was dead. I was taken to the hospital and I didn't know a thing. One day I opened my eyes and Pastor Kylie was praying over me. That's the only thing I remember for a month. My wonderful wife never left my side. And all I remember is my pastor praying over me. I couldn't see out of my left eye. I had trouble walking, talking, remembering. My brain doctor said to me that my brain was mush and I don't know how you are alive. I said, I know how I'm alive. God save me. 
The doctor looked at me dumbfounded. She must have thought all my doctors couldn't figure out how I was alive, and I told her again, God saved me. God saved me. My wife took care of me for months, and now I can see, I can walk, I can talk, and I am very happy. I've always been a believer in God, and now I'm a knower. My PSA went from two points. It was huge. The doctor said I wouldn't survive surgery weeks later, that it was, had to come out, and it was the only option I had. I told my wife I'm not afraid to die. I told her that I loved her, and I told her I'm either going home or I'm going home. After seven hours of surgery, they removed the cancer, repaired my hernia. My doctor said, your insides are mush, but I am cancer-free. I am walking. I am talking. I can see. I don't wear any diapers. I'm active, and I'm alive. So much for the mush. You can't tell me there is not a God. I am a believer and now I am a knower. I love my wife, my family, my friends, my country, my church, my pastor, but most of all, I love my God. Love my God. (laughs) P.S. On March the 13th, I received the gift of the Holy Ghost and April 17th, I was baptized in Jesus' name. Because of the anointing. Let's stand together. Praise God. Jesus, I pray for this congregation today. I pray that this message will live forever in their hearts and minds and that they will know that they are the anointed of the Lord. They are here because they are anointed. And I pray that you will deliver them from all evil and that they will know how powerful, how anointed, how special they are. And in spite of their failures and their faults, they keep getting back up. Now use them, Lord. Let this be a week of evangelism where we share our testimonies as this man did and tell everybody how great our God is and how... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.